Pour yourself a sweet tea, pull up a lawn chair, and turn the page with us. You're listening to Right on Mississippi, a podcast taking you inside the minds of America's most treasured wordsmiths. I'm Ebony Lamumba, and Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's Literary Lawn Party. Hello, my name is Ellen Ruffin. I am the curator of the DeGrummond Children's Literature Collection. So that means I have a special interest in children's literature, children's books, and the whole process of bookmaking. And it's my privilege today to serve as a moderator for this particular panel, Drawing on Imagination. And I will tell you, we have some people who have drawn from their own personal imaginations and have given us great treats. And I hope you enjoy the panel. First, I'm taking it in alphabetical order. So the first person is Gilbert Ford, a Mississippi boy who now lives in Brooklyn, New York. And Gilbert grew up in Jackson. And as he says, he grew up in a family of professional photographers and decided that was not what he wanted to do. He preferred drawing and writing to the camera. And Gilbert illustrated from here to there inventions that change the way the world moves. It was written by Vivian Kirkfield and Gilbert brought it to life with his imaginative illustrations. The next person on the panel is Melissa Ewy. Melissa is an author and illustrator of children's books and lives in Brooklyn, New York, in an apartment with her teenage son and her husband. Melissa herself describes her Brooklyn apartment as teeny tiny, where her painting area and computer space do double duty. If you go to her website, you'll see what she's describing there. It's a great image. Melissa is the author and illustrator for Dumplings for Lily, where all of the grandmothers in Lily's grandmother's apartment building are making their favorite dumplings. Finally, Don Tate is an award-winning author and the illustrator of numerous critically acclaimed children's books. He is also one of the founding hosts of the blog, The Brown Bookshelf, a blog designed to push awareness of the myriad of African-American voices writing for young readers with book reviews, author and illustrator interviews, and... uh, all kinds of interesting information. Don is a native of Des Moines, Iowa, but he currently resides in Austin, Texas with his wife and son. In his spare time, and I really think you will know this once you meet him, Don is a gym rat, having competed, as he says, in better fit days, in natural drug-free bodybuilding. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. And uh, I'm so happy we had a little time beforehand to say that we will kind of guide this along in a rather informal, formal way. 
but I am going to go alphabetically. So Gilbert, because he's an F, is the first one, and I will just show you his beautiful book, From Here to There, um, Inventions That Changed, can you see that, that Changed the Way the World Moves. Gilbert, can you tell us just a little about this book? Sure. So From Here to There, Inventions That Changed the Way the World Moves by Vivian Kirkfield is essentially nine picture books in one book. So it's over 100 pages. And each chapter is about eight or nine pages. So I'll just kind of flip through really quick, but you can kind of see um, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty jam-packed with text and also images. And um, it takes you through the lives of, I don't know if you can see it on there, but anyway, it takes yeah. you through the lives first of the Mongolfia brothers who were the um, inventors of the hot air balloon. And, um, and then it goes throughout history um, and ends up with, um, let's see, on the last chapter is with Ray about, Ray draws her own um, ships on the computer so that's it it's basically nine picture books and it's throughout the, the history about things that inventions that changed the way people moved so anywhere there from like a wheelchair to you know a hot air balloon to a bicycle and all that um i i like i i took the assignment i was excited about the assignment because and when i was in grad school, I was writing a book about um, Montgolfier Brothers, but there were too many hot air balloon books out. But I'd always wanted to illustrate the, um, the balloon up in the air um, over Paris. And um, I didn't know how I was going to be able to do that because hot air balloon books are, are popular. So when I got this anthology of nine books, and this was the first chapter, I was really excited because I just... I. I just loved the when I was researching them, the um, just how the balloon looked over Paris when they were. Um, so that was kind of that's kind of what sent me on this fun paced adventure story of inventions. And that's it. That's the book. Uh, so it was the balloon that did it. <laughs> the balloon that sold me, and then I was just like gung ho, yeah, because I I had always wanted to do that one picture, and I just didn't know how it would happen. But when I got the assignment, I was like, oh, perfect. So wonderful. Thank you. And Melissa, what about Lily's dumplings? Oh well, um, this is my book, Dumplings for Lily, and basically, in a nutshell, it's about this little girl. Lily, who's making dumplings bow with her nai-nai, her grandmother, and they discover they're out of cabbage, and so they have to borrow, she volunteers to borrow cabbage from the Polish grandmother. There's, she lives in a tall building with different grandmothers, so she has to borrow the cabbage from Babcha, and then it turns out Babcha needs potatoes for her pierogi, which she's making, so then she has to borrow them from grandma on the second floor. And so the story goes with Lily accompanied by her with her dog, by her dog Kiki going up and down the stairs and gathering ingredients and delivering them to the various grandmothers in her building who are each making a dumpling from their own culture. So it's a celebration of, of multiculturalism and also it's a multi-generational story. Um, and then at the end, they have a big dumpling party, and then she gets a special dumpling surprise herself. So 
I was inspired to write this book. Um, it kind of goes along with the themes of my other books that I've written, um, Soup Day and then Pizza Day. They all tend to have to do with food and cooking. <laughs> uh, like those two books, I have a recipe for Nine Eyes Bells at the end of the story here that I developed. And I love the idea of dumplings because they are really in every culture, so many different cuisines. And there's so many different forms within one cuisine. There's just such a variety. They're basically just a wrapper. I made these little props. <laughs> They're basically- Oh, a that's great. With some yummy filling and it could be savory and sweet. And you know, then it's, it's like a dumpling. And so it was hard to decide which ones to include in the book because I only have six. It's a picture book. And I was just going for the most varied kind of dumpling and taste, shape, and geographical location. And also I wanted the um, cultures to all be very diverse. So that's kind of how I chose which dumplings. Oh, and I also needed each dumpling to have an ingredient that could be shared with another culture. So kind of tying all that together. I loved that part, how somebody had cabbage but didn't have this. And, you know, I loved that interaction. And also, I, I studied the recipe, and I'm very intimidated by it. But you did the best job for someone who is a dummy in the kitchen um, because you, you were very patient in, in doing that. So thank you. Because uh, I'd like to try it. I hope you try uh, it. It's not as easy as the soup or pizza recipes in the other books. But, yeah. But I have um, fans like these. I have people, readers who do the recipes and then they tag me on Instagram. And there was an ambitious mom who made these with her four kids. She has four kids and they didn't even have a steamer basket. Oh, she just made a DIY one and um, it came out great and they're young kids and, and they were able to make it. So it was just so great to see. That gives me hope. I have a five-year-old granddaughter. So yeah, thank you. And Don, can you tell us a little bit about Ernie Barnes? Yes, Ellen, and um, thank you. Um, always an honor to appear at the Mississippi Book Festival. My new book is called Pigskins to Paintbrushes, the story of football playing artist Ernie Barnes. And it's the story of young Ernest Barnes who, when he was a child, he just wanted to be an artist. He loved to draw in his sketch pad. He loved to take a stick and draw in the mud after it rained. He would draw lines and designs in the mud. So he just wanted to be an artist. He also loved reading poetry. He also played a musical instrument. Um, however, Boys in the tough neighborhood that he grew up in, Durham, North Carolina, in the 1930s, who Ernie Barnes himself described as the ghetto, boys were expected to be good at sports, not drawing pictures in the dirt um, after it rained. Um, it just went against everyone's idea about what masculinity looked like. So Ernie gave, gave, gave in to the pressure and he eventually played football. 
and he absolutely hated playing football. Um, it just wasn't who he, it just wasn't who he was, but he didn't give up. And eventually he got really good at football and he actually earned 26 athletic scholarships to universities, to colleges and universities. And he played, um, played football in college and then he graduated. And instead of going into, into art, he um, ended up playing five years in the professional football leagues. So he did get really good at football, but you know what? Art remained in his heart. And after an injury, he just kind of, you know, gave up on football and started a career in art. And he painted that iconic image called the Sugar Shack. Now, growing up, the Sugar Shack was displayed at the end of the television show, Good Times. And so that's kind of the main image that everyone knows um, about Ernie Barnes. And, um, you know, I really related to this story because I, as a kid, I was a young artist and I loved, you know, macrame and braiding and um, drawing and sewing. And again, I faced that same kind of thing with, you know, a lot of the kids in my neighborhood. Boys are not supposed to be artists. Boys are supposed to be good at sports. And so I, I would say that this is probably the book that, of, of all of the books that I've written and illustrated, this is the book that's closest to my heart. Mm -hmm. Wow, closer than Sandow. Closer than Sandow. <laughs> Although wow. I will say that Sandow was the most fun book that I've ever researched. Ah, well, I was just taken with all three of these books. And as Gilbert said, his book is nine picture books in one. In, and Gilbert, it, in the description of the book, it says it's a chapter book. Yeah. And this is a, it truly is a chapter book. Um, and I wanted to, I've already mentioned to the authors and illustrators that one of the things I notice, and I know it's because I'm a, a librarian, are in papers in the books. And all three of these books have the most interesting in papers. Um, this one talks about all of the different inventions of movement. And not all of them are covered in the book. Right, Gilbert? Oh, there's too many. Yeah, but what a clever idea. How did you come up with that? It wasn't my idea. It was the editor's. Yeah, I, I had worked with um, Ann Ryder on Mr. Ferris and His Wheel, and she was yeah. looking for a project for me for a while. And then... When she found this project, she sent it to me, and that was part of it. She's like, and you're going to do end pages. So <laughs> it was part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love them. And, of course, that's something book people notice. And, um, and I think that it's very telling that an art editor was involved in, in, the, in this process. And then look at Melissa's end papers. You can see all of the different. Melissa, would you like to speak to that? Oh, yes, sure. These are all the different dumplings that appear in the story. So there's um, the bow, of course, and fatayer uh, is a um, spinach pie. It's Lebanese, pierogi, Jamaican beef patty. And I have a tamale, which isn't... A, Tech, it's it's like a dumpling in that it has a wrapper with a filling. I, I originally had an empanada, but like I said, I 
I wanted to have uh, more of a variety and they look very close to the Jamaican beef patty. So I, I changed it to a tomato. Oh, and why do you say, of course, a bow? Why do you say that? Oh, because it's lilies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the lily, sorry, lilies. Sorry with the bow, yeah. It's so much fun. And children will love learning all the different terms for oh. the various uh, dumplings. So I was quite taken with it myself. And then Don's, did you come up with this idea or was it the art editor? Well, like Gilbert, um, it was my book designer who came up with the idea. And you know what? On the cover of the book, you have the author, the illustrator, but there, I, sometimes I think you ought to have the editor and the book designer because that book designer really, you know, they, they, they do a wonderful job of taking those images and, and, and make, putting, it, putting everything together. Um, one of the cool things that I really liked about the visuals in the book, and not only the end papers, but what's called the case cover, or yes. I think Travis Shanker yes. describes it as beautiful. The book's undies, yeah. So you see the the cover of the book is all about football, but if you remove the case cover, now it's all about Ernie Barnes and oops, okay, Ernie Barnes and being an an artist, football player. Oh. And again, that was the idea of the book designer. Clever, clever idea. Uh, I love seeing what editors do and book designers because uh, you're right. It takes a it takes a village to make a picture book. Uh, it is. is not one small thing. Uh, Don, I do have a question for you because I have a friend. You know, very rarely do people talk about the color cerulean. Okay. And. Uh, so that was the first thing my friend who read this book noticed. She said, Cerulean oh, paint. He's named all of Ernie's paints on the title page. And I want to know why you decided to use that. You know, I wish that I had like this really profound answer to that question. <laughs> but honestly, I just wanted to illustrate some tubes of paint. And actually what I did was I photographed some tubes of paint that I have up in my closet. And the first two that I pulled out were the cerulean blue. And yeah, so yeah, I, I don't I have- I figured little... that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I figured it was something kind of uh, practical. And, I've always uh, liked the name, cerulean blue. That just is like a really fluid kind of musical sounding name that just belongs right there on the, on the, on the title page. It's there beautiful, but I have to admit it wasn't in my 64 crayons when I was growing up. <laughs> or was it? Is it there now? I don't know. But, um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you, and this goes to um, Gilbert. Now, Gilbert, there's so much to this book because um, not only, I mean, I love the bibliography. Now, I know that wasn't yours, but you managed to uh, pull in some interesting images there. Did you, did you find these images? No. Did that come from the editor? I think the author had, Vivian had to get the images and then, you know, get all that lined up. So that was, that was actually a relief because it was less pages for me to illustrate. So <laughs> I was kind of happy to have the photographs thrown in there. Well, they were wonderful. And I don't know if 
you would mind telling us what was the one thing? I mean, because nine picture books in one book is a lot of work. <laughs> nine. Um, would you mind telling us what sold you on this book <laughs> that Vivian wrote? I, I do a lot of chapter books that are, I mean, this isn't my first long book. Like I, most of them end up being a hundred pages or 80 pages or 90 pages. And I had done several books with Houghton Mifflin Harcourt that were for this age group, basically middle grade, you know? So it's sort of a hybrid between a picture book and a, and a, and a chapter book. And um, I did Rotten and, and um, Itch. And so yeah. they kind of, they, I think she wanted to, combine those that format with Mr. Ferris and his wheel. And that's kind of how they that's the the logic behind the whole book. I I love doing old, you know, I well first I said I like doing the um what is it called? The um what is it? The um hot air balloons was one of the main reasons that sold me. Yeah. But um yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just I got in the groove. I had a whole summer to do it. So I just, you know, that was it. And I combined digital with watercolor. So now I'm completely digital, but at the time I was using watercolors and then some, some physical um, materials and then some digital and seeing which balance, which way I like to work most. Of course, now it's like the technology is so good. There's no reason to even do watercolor, but Right. It's still your art. It's yeah. still your art. Uh, but I did have a question mm -hmm. because as an archivist, uh, <laughs> as one who collects papers of authors and illustrators, uh, what happened? Because I noticed on here, it said um, that the the illustrations in this book were painted in traditional watercolors and finished digitally. So what happens to that original watercolor? So the the backgrounds and I, I approached it like old animations. If you look at old animations from the 30s, the backgrounds are usually watercolor and then they use like a like a sharper sort of flat color for the figures in the front foreground. And um, I guess all of those backgrounds I did are now at my parents' house. Um, oh, so oh, I, wow. That's not far from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, <laughs> yeah, Gilbert. So I, I had to move all my stuff at the um, last year home to my parents' garage. And um, so all of my, like anything from my middle grade books that I've illustrated, all my physical artwork is now in my parents' attic. And there's just, I could oh, wow. like that. So it's kind of, an, it's in, you know, 100 degree um, temperature attic. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Uh, well, I also um, heard wonderful reviews of your middle grade novel that came out this year as well. You've been busy. I had, a, I had three books come out in the pandemic. Fun. Uh, <laughs> poor you. Yeah. Uh, all, all of these artists in this, in this little box right here are prolific and talented and smart. And so um, thank you for responding to that and now Melissa I want the same question answered by you about process um, art process 
Sure. Um, I'm similar to Gilbert, the way I created the illustrations for this book. And um, I used watercolor and gouache to start. So, for example, um, there's a scene in the beginning where she's talking about the secrets to making delicious bows, and there's little spot illustrations here. So I have the original paintings that I did for these. I don't know if you can. Ah, I love those. So they're basically the characters, but as as you can notice, as you'll notice, they don't have faces. So what I would do is I paint the general shape and then I would scan it into the computer and then finish it in the computer and draw the faces and add the details. And the reason why I have grown to love this is because there's so much, you have so much more control as an artist when you do things digitally. I um, work in many, many layers. And so each thing is separated on a layer and I can edit everything It's so easy to edit, you know, if you want to change the color of something or change, say I did a face, if I painted a face, that would be it. But say I want to change the face, you know, I have to start all over. But when you have it on another layer in the computer, you can just, you know, move it. You can move the eye or or you can draw a new one or um, you don't have to start from scratch again. So. That's what I really love. But I do love the sensation, the physicality of actually, you know, putting brush to paper. And whenever I do my preliminary sketches, I always just use pencil and paper. I don't I don't work completely digitally, but I do a lot of digital work. So it's a combination of the two. Well, it's um, almost um, imperative this day and age. And it is fair to send to the publisher. Right. So then you upload it or put it, put it, scan it and put it in the computer and finish it and then shoot that to the editor. Transfer to their server. And um, it's so much easier. You know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And, you know, back in the day, I would carry my heavy original art to the office and then they would have to peel I used to paint on illustration board and they would have to peel carefully peel the painting off the board so that it can go on the drum scanner it was a whole thing so I yeah way of working I feel like I have more control well uh essentially it is color separations Mm -hmm. it's the same thing it's just done on the computer it's the same process and it does allow you a little more flexibility yeah I I think like there's just with the control there's just more freedom for me yeah yeah I love that thank you uh and Don same question for you what kind of process do you use because uh, it does say mixed media in your book, um, and I can see signs of that throughout. Um, 
so and for people who have never thought about this every picture book will have some explanation of the art so i always look for that to see oh what's been done here and all that so do you mind telling us a little bit about that well i don't consider myself a trademark illustrator um i like to try different media with each book. I like to let the, the feel of the text, you know, kind of lead me in the direction that I'll take the visuals. Um, with the Ernie Barnes book, um, that's, although I say mixed media, it is all digital. Sometimes reviewers can kind of look down when I say digital artwork. So I kind of got to get around that. I say now I say mixed media. It's still mixed media. It's just all done, done on my computer. Um, right. I used a program, really, it's kind of interesting. I used a program on my iPhone called Adobe Capture. So in a way, I use my computer and I use my iPhone to create the illustrations. Adobe Capture is a program that captures textures. So basically, as my wife and I are going out walking every day, I'm like capturing the texture in the bark of a tree or capturing the texture in the grass or whatever, capturing clouds. Those textures are automatically go to my desktop computer in Adobe Photoshop or Clip Studio Paint and where I can then collage them, you know, create, I can then use those, those textures in a collage. Um, with this book, it became a challenge because I'm illustrating a book about an artist. So, you know, if you have the question, do I then create artwork that is similar to the artist? you know, just to, to Ernie Barnes' artwork. And I really wanted to stay away from trying to create artwork that was reminiscent of Ernie Barnes' artwork. Um, I wasn't able to get permission from the family to, you know, the, the family's blessing to write a story about Ernie Barnes. And so I just wanted to be really careful in how I presented um, the, his images as well. So I just thought, you know, collage would be a you know, really great way to kind of make that departure from Ernie Barnes' artwork. I keep telling myself, however, with the very next book that I illustrate, I'm going to go back to natural media. And then I look at my deadlines and I look at my schedule and I go right back to my digital artwork because I, I could work so much faster digitally. Oh, yeah. I, I, everybody can relate to that. But here is an example of collage with the clothing, right? Most definitely. It's funny because, you know, the textures and the clothing, you know, I was even going through my yeah. wife's closet, you know, pulling out her dresses and taking photographs of her dresses. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm illustrating my book. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, just everywhere. If you look all around you, there are textures all around you. And it just kind of saves you the time of instead of having to like illustrate a wood texture, if you can capture that on your phone and then plop it right into your your drawing that just saves a lot of time. You still have to make it make sense. You still you have, still to, have to have sense. the eye to make it work in the book. Yes. And yes, um, I have not remarked about your bibliography and videos and websites and notes. I love when a book gives me all of this information and uh, that picture of Ernie Barnes in front of one of his paintings. It's such a beautiful story. And 
I just enjoyed this book. Look, I enjoyed every book that I read for this panel. It was so much fun and I learned so much. Each book teaches something. And I think sometimes, as you know, my sermon on picture books <laughs> is that they are not cute. They, it, it takes a village to create a, a picture book, as we've said, because there's so many things that must be done to make it into a work of art, to successfully get all of that information uh, contained in a book. I wanted to ask you, Melissa, how, how you came about, uh, you said it was similar to some of your other books like the pizza book and um, another food book. And are you a foodie? I am. <laughs> I, am. I have a um, food blog. I, I haven't um, done it in so long, but I started a food blog um, when Soup Day came out in 2010, and um, that book was inspired um, by my experiences cooking with my son, young son. He was very young at the time, and now he's a teenager, and he cooks. He's become a very good cook, but it's kind of one of one of the things that uh, I try to do in my books is inspire people to to cook, to learn how to cook, and to cook with kids. I just, I think it's a really great um, bonding experience. And um, I enjoy cooking with all my family. We all cook. And um, like I said, I taught my son how to cook from a very young age. I got him involved in cooking. And um, so, yeah, I just want to share that enthusiasm for it because I think mm -hmm cooking and also enjoying what you cook, eating together. It's such a familial experience. Yeah, so this book also has the, that uh, idea behind it. I love the cool grandmothers. I'm a grandmother. So I love seeing the different images of the grandmothers. Yeah. Yeah. They're inspired by different people that I... Well, and how did you come up with the names for each of the grandmothers? Well, they're, they're, the name, they're one of the other fun things um, that I wanted to include in this book, um, because I, in my former life, <laughs> before I became an artist, I was actually a linguist and I, I was in graduate school and I was studying linguistics, but I love languages still. And I studied um, languages, many languages and um so I wanted that to bring that that aspect into the story. Yeah. So each grandmother is named by the name for grandmother in their language. And they also each say, darn it, <laughs> in their own language. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know all the languages, so I had to ask, you know, I asked various friends, you know, is this the right way to say? So I... um. I wanted to include speech bubbles. So there's speech bubbles throughout. And whenever there's a speech bubble, um, the grandmother is saying something. Oh, yeah, you have, oh, yeah, um, have the exclamation, but like this one. Oh, yes. In Spanish. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So I, I wanted to include that. But yeah, the grandma's 
names are the name typical names that you would call a grandma in that language well i want to i want to be sure and mention the publishers of each book because uh sometimes that gets overlooked mm-hmm. uh gilbert's book is houghton mifflin harcourt and dumplings for lily is norton young readers and ernie is Abrams. I had taken the cover off, so I don't don't want to mess it up. These are all just great publishers who care about quality of books that go to children and that parents sit and read with children. And just, it's an amazing, amazing thing that you do. So my next question is, Gilbert, you come from a family of photographers, knew you liked drawing. How did you get to children's literature? Goodness. Let's see. I, I felt like it was accidental, but everybody, I think, along the way was telling me to do that. <laughs> and that it was, I don't know. So it's, it's a little bit of um, accident, a little bit like it was sort of going that way anyway. I, had, I, was an, I started out as an editorial illustrator and I was working at a day job uh, as a toy designer and illustrator for um, Gallus and Mud Puppy. And um, I had both of them up on my portfolio. So some of the people that I had gone to school with are friends with artists. They started hiring me from, um, at, from, I guess, Harper at the time. It wasn't, no, wait, what was it? It was... It was Harcourt. It was before, it was just oh, Harcourt. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Now. So it was one of my friends worked there. And that's kind of how I started getting into books for children. Cause she would, she would leave and go somewhere else to Sterling. And then her friend would learn about me. And then people just, yeah. it was kind of word of mouth. And then I ended up getting an agent and all that. So, <laughs> but it, so it was an accident. Kind of an accident. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> well, isn't that how life is? It's, it's whatever door we ultimately walk through sometimes. Yeah, I was kind of knocking on over here and then this opportunity <laughs> over here. And I was like, oh, okay, oh, let's go over there. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah. And Melissa, I read that you knew very early that you wanted to be a creator of books. Is yeah. that true? Yes, from the time I was a little kid, I... um. I even have, I have some little books that I created. I would always create these books when I was a child. They're very small. And it was because I just loved my children's books so much as a little kid. I think I um, was very shy and introverted and kind of afraid of people and going out. And I just felt so comforted with my children's books. And I just always wanted to do that. And I was always an artist as a young kid. And then when I went to college, I just, I don't know, I was really afraid. And I thought, I can't do that. I can't, I can't make a living being an artist. So I kind of um, abandoned that for about a decade. And and like I said, I went in this other route and went into linguistics and um, which I also love, but um, I went to graduate school and I was getting a PhD and I was my path was going to be to be to stay in academia and do research. And I was just had a, a crisis. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I thought I can't I can't live my life like this. And um, 
I realized, you know, at the time there were hardly any positions for linguists, you know, for the graduating class when I left with my MA and it was just as precarious a situation and you don't know where you're going to end up. You know, you have to go to whatever school hires you and um, it's just as uncertain as being an artist. So I thought if I'm going to be live like this, I'm going to do something that I really feel passionate about and I'm just going to go all in. So I dropped out of school, went to art school because I felt like I had lost 10 years and I hadn't been creating oh, art. Wow. I needed the time to reconnect. So I did go to art school and, and then got a degree in um, illustration. And I specifically wanted to study children's book illustration. And that's what I wanted to do. And I was lucky enough to um, study with Marla Frazee. It was amazing. And um, she had just published like her second book or third book. It was a long time ago. And she actually connected me with my agent whom I met because I told her I'm, I'm going to New York. So I, I left, I came to New York with nothing. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. I literally just came here and I was so fortunate. And, you know, I worked in house as a designer for the first two years. And then I, my agent got me my first book in 2000 and I've had books ever since then. So I've just been very fortunate to be able to do what I I'm doing and to have um, continued for so long. That's a great story. I can only imagine your parents. Oh, I'm quitting. They this were program so supportive. I don't, I couldn't have made that leap. I felt so guilty. I couldn't have made that leap without their blessing. And they were so supportive. That's wonderful. That just gave oh, me great. chills. <laughs> yes. Yes. How wonderful. Um, now, Don, I know you have been in art and drawing for a long time, but children's books, when did that, how did that happen to you? Children's books didn't come until many, many years later. When I was a kid, I just loved to create, you know. Uh, one time I thought that I was going to grow up to become a puppeteer because I loved making puppets. And then later on, I thought, well, I'm going to grow up to become a jewelry maker because I loved making jewelry. And then later on, I thought I would, you know, I would grow up to become, you know, a toy maker because I was making toys. Um, and then fast forward, you remember I mentioned that I loved watching that TV show, Good Times. J.J. Mm -hmm. Evans was the teenage artist who was always painting pictures in the background on that television show. Well, in the later episode, J.J. became an art director at an advertising agency. And that's kind of started me to thinking, maybe I can use my artwork um, in the commercial arts. So I went to a vocational technical high school. I went to a two-year community college where I studied commercial art and advertising. And then I got, into, I got into advertising. So just like JJ, I was an art director at an advertising agency. Oh, wow. Absolutely hated it. Okay. I was like working 24 hours, you know, back to back and I absolutely hated it. Anyway, I took a job as a, um, after that, I took a job as a publication designer at an educational publishing company and they hired Eleonora E. Tate to write an anthology of retold African myths. 
Now, Eleanor is my aunt. So I kind of grew up with wow. this famous aunt, right? Yeah. And so who inspired me. So I kind of started thinking along that line, maybe I can do books as well. I'm working at this educational publishing company. Um, and so Eleanor wrote Retold African Myths and I illustrated it. And that became sort of my foot into the door of publishing, but that was educational publishing. I wanted to eventually get into the trade side. And then a few years later, I sent my portfolio off to Brian Pinckney, who I knew his wife, Andrea, was a very famous author, but I didn't know that she was also a really big editor at Simon & Schuster. And then she started, <laughs> she eventually started up her, home, her own imprint at Jump at the Sun and gave me my very first book contract, Say Hey, A Song of Willie Mays. So I always tell, you know, when I visit elementary schools, we all take a very different path. You know, my path is very different than Melissa's and Gilbert's, but we all are headed to the same place. Which I think is so interesting. It makes all of you uh, unique and interested in, you know, because I'm thinking, I was telling Gilbert, I remember, I loved his book about the spring, and now I've forgotten the title because I'm needing to remember it. What is the book that I love? The Marvelous Thing That Came From a Spring. The Marvelous Thing That Came From a Spring about a slinky, just so you guys know. And um, the history of toys, and Gilbert has been a toy maker. And then Melissa is a foodie. And it's obvious with this and with some of her other books. And I will tell you, Don Tate has written some amazing biographical books. And um, I personally love uh, picture book biographies because I can learn a lot in a short period of time. I don't have to pick up an entire, like you used his, his bio, his autobiography, right? right. As your main right. source yes. for research. And uh, this particular book gives me a chance to learn nine different <laughs> stories of inventors. And it's just, these are rich books and rich stories and gifts to children. So I just want to thank you guys what I'd like to know now is, uh, Gilbert, what project do you have on the docket? Okay. Um, it's the follow-up to the middle grade novel. So it's, it's, oh, good. it's kind of been put in limbo with all the stuff going on. But um, it's, it's basically another middle grade novel called The Cutting Edge. And um, it takes place in Queens. And I can't really say very much about it because it's like, sure. but um, yeah, it'll be another illustrated middle grade novel. Wonderful. Wonderful. Not a, not a graphic novel an illustrated. No, no, just like, like, yeah, like a novel with like a chapter illustration. Sure. Getting the chapter. <laughs> Love those. Um, and Melissa. Oh, I'm, I have, um, I have seven books I'm working on. Lord, so very busy, but um, four of them are a, are a series of I can read books with Harper Collins, mm -hmm. and um, this book, these books I'm writing myself, and they're actually the first books that don't have to do with food, but they're um, they're called uh, the series is called GG and OGG, and it's based on my 
um, childhood memory of um, when my grandfather from Hawaii, who's originally from Japan, came to visit us and he couldn't speak uh, English very well and I couldn't speak Japanese and we had a hard time communicating. So this is a series of books about a girl named Gigi and her Ojiji, which is a um, very familiar um, term for a Japanese grandfather. Oh, good. Adventures together and um, how she teaches him about American culture and he teaches her a little more about her Japanese background, her heritage. So I'm working on those um, books for the next couple years. And then um, I'm finishing up a very large book that I've been working on for four years. And that is a culmination of all, a lot of what was on my food blog that I mentioned before. It's a, um, like a 250 plus page uh, illustrated DIY, DIY book for kids and parents to create their own birthday party, themed birthday parties, 10 parties. And it's filled with recipes and crafts. And um, that's uh, with Little Brown and that's coming out soon. Wow. Working on it with my editor, Christia Taviano, for a very long time. It's kept growing and growing. So I'm finishing that. And then I... um, I'm working on, I'm illustrating a book um, written by Katrina Moore, which is darling. I'm just starting that. And then um, I'm doing a, a book with Shambhala, the, um, the publisher in uh, the Bay Area, which I love. And it's a book on Zen for children. Oh, oh, how wonderful. Yeah, so I just, every project is like my dream project. So I feel very blessed <laughs> oh wow congratulations and i can't wait to get the uh i can read series oh, thank you i thank i you. love that yeah, yeah. and don i'll bet you have a project in the making i just have an <laughs> idea that you might yes i just just so happens <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like Melissa, uh, my next two books are a departure from what I typically do. I love biographies and so on, and I love nonfiction. However, my next two books are, let me see, Roto and Roy. Um, this oh, one is my. Roto and Roy Helicopter Heroes. So it, it is a helicopter and a pilot, and they go about fighting off whatever villains are happening at, at that time period. So. Um, but anyway, this book comes out in February. It's written by um, Night Night Good Night. Let me see. Good Good Night Good Night Construction Site author Sherry Dusky Ranker. Um, oh, so really excited about publication of these this book. I'm working on book number two over here on my Cintiq right now. Um, after that, I have two books that I can't really talk much about. They're books that I have written. I'm trying to work my career into a place where I'm illustrating just a little bit less and writing more mm-hmm. so that I can produce more because illustration mm-hmm. takes a long time. Um, <laughs> and so my next two books are books that I have written and um, others are going to illustrate and that frees up my time to then work on maybe a, a, a graphic novel, mm-hmm. memoir. And oh. so excited about excited about that. A graphic memoir? A graphic novel, memoir. 
Oh, I love that. Because so when I visit elementary schools, kids always tell me, well, you have all these stories about other people. When are you going to write a story about yourself? And I tell them, well, my life was pretty boring. It'd be a pretty boring story. <laughs> However, I did go through some stuff when I was a kid that I think would make an interesting middle grade story. And so I'm going to you know, think about putting that together in a graphic novel form. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm so excited for all of you. It's just so thrilling to hear the work that is happening and going to be in front of us. And that means you'll probably need to come to the Mississippi Book Festival soon. And of course, we're always happy to have you at the Baby Kegler Children's Book Festival here at the University of Southern Mississippi. But it's a thrilling prospect to think about and hear just a little bit about what and I'll be so excited when I see those books come out and and see the reviews. So thank you guys for sharing that with us. So I, is there anything that we need to close with? Gilbert, do you have any anything you want to say that I didn't cover? Because it seems like I covered everything. <laughs> no, just thanks for having me. And it's been a pleasure to be part of the Mississippi Book Festival. And I've enjoyed being on this with Don and Melissa. And thanks, Don. We Mississippians are happy to claim you. So <laughs> don't you forget that. Melissa, is there something that we need to hear from you? What do you have for supper tonight? Are you cooking? Oh, yeah. I actually already made it because I knew I was going to have this call. <laughs> I'm like, I better cook before I made butter chicken. <laughs> and uh, oh, yes, of course. My son requested my husband, oh. to echo what Gilbert said, thank you so much for having us. It's been great. I'm so sorry that we couldn't be there in person, but it's great to see you all and get to know Don yes. more. So maybe we can all see each other in person in the future. I hope so, because we have hospitality at the Mississippi oh. Book Festival. Yeah. Uh, and Don? What about you, Don? Is there a one closing thing that we didn't cover? Uh, so I was thinking that um, pigskins to paintbrushes is the story, or the, the main message, I should say, um, is that kids should, should not allow others to define who they can be. Ernie Barnes did not allow his peers to decide who he should be. He decided that he would become a football player. He decided that he would become an artist. And he didn't allow others to define who he should be in the same way that I had those questions, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, yes. When folks try to tell me that as an artist, you should be a sports person. But I, to this day, I'm a sports person. I do yoga. I swim. I'm, in the, I'm a, a gym rat. But I'm also an artist. And I defined myself. And so that's the main thing. And again, I just want to, it's, it's so, um, it's such an honor to, uh, to meet you as well, Melissa, virtually. <laughs> And to reconnect with you again, Gilbert, and I have a lot of background with with Ellen. So Ellen is so good to to reconnect. Good to with see you, as John. Well, so yes, I miss seeing you. Um, I miss I miss seeing everybody, and uh, I I think it's very interesting. If anything, this this panel has given us all an idea of how a path that we take and where they lead us and to pay attention and and go for it. Passion, go for your passion. Yeah. So thank you so much for that, all of you. 
and I wish you a great fall and uh, much success in all of these new projects. And we'll look forward to seeing them soon. Thank you. you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's literary lawn party.